Welcome to Three, a show about Federer, Nadal, and Djokovic, and part of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm Gil Gross with Joel Drucker and Amy Lundy, and we're about four days away, if my count is correct, in my Australian time zone conversion uh, from the <laughs> ATP Cup, okay? And the, the season, as Joel and I were discussing before, uh, before you joined the Zoom, Amy, about how the season has kind of stumbled out of the gate because it, it started and then it mm-hmm. stopped for quarantine, but we're about to have a team event, which was so thrillingly entertaining a year ago, the, the inaugural year of the ATP Cup. But I want to start by kind of addressing the elephant in the room whenever the ATP Cup comes around, which is Davis Cup mm-hmm. and just the decline of, of that event. Joel, how would you characterize the, the kind of path that Davis Cup has, has gone down and eventually, of course, led to the format change? Well, it's, I really feel bad luck for the format change effort because the hope, of course, in trotting it out in 2019 was just to get another shot in 2020. Now the traction building is hard, and I'm not even quite sure how Davis Cup is going to fit into the calendar this year because it has time scheduled, but the whole calendar's in flux. So, so getting this new format off the ground is going to be a tough go. What I thought was interesting in the 2019-2020 period is that um, – Nadal is aligned with the Davis Cup folks and Spain won the Davis Cup. Novak is involved with the ATP Cup and his, and, uh, his team won the ATP Cup. And then Federer has the Labor Cup and Federer won the Labor Cup. So you look at our three guys. Uh, Davis Cup, I'll be interested to see how this new format eventually gets a chance to go. But Davis Cup had really, had really gone through a lot of stumbles. You know, once upon a time, and I won't bore everyone with it now, it was the reason these events were called the four majors. They were the four nations that had won the Davis Cup. And that's why they were called, that's why they constituted the Grand Slam. Hmm. And nothing was more important than Davis Cup. And then the whole open era kind of changed everything. It gave the players the right not to have to play for associations, but to choose where they could play. So Davis Cup became a little less important as players wanted to make a living out of tennis. So it goes back and forth and you see how players, um, when it becomes an important thing to get on their resume, as it's become the case for each of our three, they give it a go and then good things happen. I mean, Nadal, Murray, uh, Nadal, Djokovic, Federer, they've all given their go to Davis Cup at times and their countries have won. Nadal's won what, five? Joel? So Spain, Spain has won five, but I mm-hmm. think Nadal missed one of them. And That's so right. Nadal okay. has won four. Okay. Nadal made his first big move on the tennis radar when he was 18. This was before he even won the French in 2004. 26,000 people and he becomes the hero just a few months earlier he'd lost pretty badly to Andy Roddick at the U.S. Open and then he, he kind of he wins a challenge match and he's playing pretty well and they they threw him in and he was he was really the hero and that's was really like whoa this guy is 18 and look how good he's going to be and then 05 came and since then Roth has been just this juggernaut so Davis Cup propelled him Davis Cup propelled Novak at the end of 2010 Serbia wins the Davis Cup. It really is a big, big thing for Serbia, not just tennis. And then he goes on to his great years. And the other two, Gil and Joel, they've only won one each, right? That's Davis right. Cup. Right. Yeah. That's now right. that they Novak, the 2010 win really led into his breakout season in 2011. Yeah. And that was really the start of the rise of Djokovic as uh, someone who's on equal footing with Federer and Nadal. It was very important for him. On the other hand, Federer won in 2014, 
And I went back to, cause I wanted to see what he said about it. And as a personal accomplishment, he completely downplayed it. And I want to play the mm. audio on the pod right now. This one's, this one's for the boys. Well, sure for the boys, but personally, what does it mean to you? Um, it's, this is for, not for me, this is for them. Um, I've won enough in my career that I don't need this to complete my everything, you know, taking off the box. So I'm just, I'm just happy for everybody else. And uh, I'm happy we can live a, a great uh, um, tennis historic moment in our country. Uh, it was kind of interesting because Novak called it the greatest accomplishment of his career. This was after he had already won the Australian Open and he called the Davis Cup victory the greatest of his career. Oh, Gil, I don't know if he'd call it that to this day, though. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm going to, people are going to dislike my ugly American take here, but in this country, we're spoiled by all the amazing team sports that we have, the NBA, the NFL, Major League Baseball, hockey. Um, to me, and people are going to argue with me and the historians are going to kick and scream, it's not a compelling event. Um, but it has its charm. It's kind of a niche thing. Um, I think we're just cupped out. We have too many cups. Have you, um, last, have you been to a Davis Cup, Amy? No. Is it I more compelling I? now? Well, it, well <laughs> Amy, were, were you in... Were you in favor of the format change? No. Um, I, I think that we have too many cups. And I think that the powers that be in tennis should get together and decide, let's have a cup at the beginning of the season and let's have a cup at the end of the season and call it good. So it doesn't really matter to me which cups you eliminate. Um, and, and by the way, I think... Um, the cups should be combined men and women. Well, that's um, the, I agree with you on that. That would be a great, I, I wrote once they should have a thing, call it like the King Cup. They, and every four years, the Olympic event should be a team co-ed event similar to a team tennis style. I think though, if you went to a Davis Cup, Amy, anywhere in the world, even you would, you'd be a little enthralled by the energy around it. However, I see it on TV. I mean, I, I've watched it on TV and, and believe me, I do. Um, I get dialed into it. I really do. Um, and, and you can tell, like, I think there was one match. Um, I don't know if it was the one that Serbia won or uh, no, it's been more recent than that. Um, Novak got really mad at Vic Victor Troitsky um, for losing a, a match or a really key point or something and just chucked a ball into the stands it means something to these guys and that comes through just um it doesn't have that big event flair that I crave and again I think when you get too much of something and we have too many cups right now um that takes some of the special flavor away from it I agree with you the proliferation that suddenly was like here's Davis Cup and people are knowing Davis Cup is kind of not so great and kind of struggling in a way. And okay, then there's Labor Cup. And then I thought the introduction of the ATP Cup, well, where did, where did that come from? That was kind of interesting. So now it's kind of everything, the, the, the cup energy is kind of split. Mm -hmm. So I agree. And, and uh, I like that the Fed Cup renamed itself the Billie Jean King Cup. And I think there's, there'd be a neat way to create some co-ed. I mean, this is a way for all the ways the ATP and WTA talk globally about being together at the top. Maybe this is a way from the bottom up to try to take a step 
you know, change happens from the top, change happens from the bottom. So maybe the, the, the minor step might be eventually to figure out some great code event. And I don't mean the Hopman Cup played in West Australia just after New Year's. I mean something that has a little bit more central place on the tennis calendar. Here's yeah. my take on it. I think Labor Cup is very different from Davis Cup and ATP Cup. So I don't really mind that. The, you know, you, you can have questions of should it count towards the real records and probably not. Uh, but with that aside, it's a very different, it has a very different feel as an event, Europe versus Team World. Meanwhile, the fact that you have the Davis Cup and the ATP Cup, I mean, the, the goal is the same. You're trying to crown the superior tennis nation. And to do that twice in a year is so confusing and waters it down so much. I mean, the World Cup, World Cups every four years, that works, right? Uh, so to have something every year, the Olympics is every two years. And mm -hmm. if, if you want to talk about per sport, well, then it goes back to every four. Tennis, we're going to do it twice a year, really? That's clearly not the formula that works. Right, Ryder Cup in golf, which is so compelling and has a really cool history is every two years. Yeah, I don't understand. I would like to... I would like to talk to some of the ATP and say, what was the thinking for creating the ATP cup? That's the one that I find the most head scratching. I could imagine a world where the labor cup and the Davis cup could exist in parallel. The ATP, it's like, where, where did that one come from? What was the, what was the thinking? And I, and, and I'm sure there's stuff I could find and read, but it's just kind of, I'm, I'm kind of struck by that. The labor cup is neat and the labor cup is neat, particularly because it's had, um, I think most of all, because of Roger Federer, more so than Novak and Rafa, who are neat, who've been neat parts of it, but really the Roger presence and the connection to labor, and then the creation of the weighted scoring system. That was pretty neat that the matches mean more as the days go on. So mm -hmm. it's compelling and dramatic. And then you also have, I think they have 40 plus cameras. I mean, it's kind of like, it reminds me of the fantasy camp I go to John Ucombs, except world-class on steroids. <laughs> so here, here's Zverev being coached by Federer Nadal. I mean, wow, and, and we're watching it and there's cameras and it's, and it's live and it's vivid. I mean, that Labor Cup has been pretty fun to watch. I mean, I'm hoping to go in 21 if it's assuming the world's in a good place. It's gonna be in Boston. That's gonna be fun. I did not want to like Labor Cup um, and I turned it on and I said, okay, fine. And I was just dialed in and blown away. Roger Federer, class Swiss act that he is um, got some really smart creative people involved the optics are great it's an easy watch the thing I really like about it is that there are no doubles specialists and the singles players play doubles which you almost never get to see and in the first one Roger partnered with Rafa which was so fun. And in the second one, Roger partnered with Novak. And that was great. Um, so it, I think Novak hit Roger in the back of the head or almost hit him in the back of the head. Wow, no, no, you, not you, Novak, but, but, like, but it, 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 God, poor, poor Novak. I mean, he hit him in the head with a ball. Boy, I mean, wow. Yeah. I think 
Yeah. yeah, it's just, you know, it's stuff that happens to all of us when we play doubles or, you know, when when Roger partnered with Rafa, Roger missed an easy volley at the net, just netted it right at his feet. It happens to recreational players every day. So you could really relate. And yet it was very exciting. I would love to see that event combined with one of the others, either Davis Cup or ATP Cup, and make something really great and special. Why were you prepared not to like it? I, you know, honestly, at that time of year, I'm pretty tired of, I want to rest. I, I'm not, I don't want to say I'm tired of tennis, but you know me, I'm a big proponent of we need an off season and we need to rest so that we can build and get excited for the coming year. Well, the off season just shrunk even shorter because the Davis Cup adjusted their length. So now the Davis Cup is longer at the end of the year, Amy. You'll be very glad to know. It's even shorter now. Um, I'm sorry. I probably won't be watching. <laughs> the doubles thing. Well, the Davis Cup had a, uh, it was the television rights were a total mess. Yeah. And I couldn't even watch it. And Rafa Nadal was heroic, Herculean in 2019. He went 8-0 in this tournament. Yeah. And I mean, I, I saw, I caught up with it on YouTube. He was unbelievable. I think that he exerted, to your point, Amy, so much energy in the 2019 Davis Cup. I think, I don't think he fully recovered by the time it was time to be, to play the Australian Open in 2020. And he had a physical ATP Cup. I don't think Nadal had enough rest in, in last year's offseason, personally. Um, but yeah, the, the, the television was a mess there and, and I could barely watch. I'm curious this, who do we think is the best, uh, best doubles player among our three? And because Amy, you make a, you make a great point. This is the beauty of one of the big beauties of these team events is that we see the singles players play doubles. That is a a hundred percent, a huge perk. I think it's Rafa. It's easy. I mean, the other two are distant, distant, probably Roger is second, but Mm -hmm. way, way behind. Uh, Rafa is a really good doubles player. Um, he's a great volleyer. And as you guys know, um, doubles volleying is a lot different than singles volleying, um, be- mainly because you start from a, a basically a static position, um, the net person does anyway. Um, and he just, he knows the strategy. Um, he's just, he can move, um, the switches, the, the covering lobs, all that. Um, he's phenomenal. I would agree. I think I would agree with that. I think, I think Roger in theory has the tool set that we would think would, and he's played some excellent, he won the Olympic doubles with Stan Wawrinka and he has the, he has the one-handed game, but I think, I think Nadal, I think Nadal by being such a voracious competitor, Mm -hmm. so likes the doubles too. And I've seen him partner someone like, uh, Mark Lopez, it's like, we're going to beat these guys. I watched them play a great match with the Bryan brothers at Indian Wells and, and Rafi, he brings his energy. Um, he knows how to return. And yeah, volleying doubles, it's, it's not, it's a little different. Maybe volley short, you have energy. I think, I think he, yeah, in other words, if you, if it was one of them to play one doubles match for a big deal, I take Rafa. The same reason I would take him for that big singles match, because I just think he's such, he's the biggest gamer of our three. If it was, 50 doubles matches over the course of a year, I think Roger would hone the skills and he would have, he might be, he might be a better doubles player over that time, but there's no way Roger Federer is going to play even 20 doubles matches a year. So I think you're right, Amy, that it's, uh, 
that is Rafa. And, and of course, then we've left Novak out of it. Not that he's bad. He's just a good tennis player. It's just that he just hasn't devoted much of his energies to, to playing doubles. Yeah, I'm on the I'm on the Rafa bandwagon for this question as well. I think a, a couple things stand out. I think one, Amy, you make a really good point that if you take away the feet, where Roger is probably better than Rafa at the net in terms of uh, closing the net and making you know stick saves and difficult volleys and covering space, mm-hmm. Nadal's actually probably a better volleyer than Federer if you, if if the volley's easy and in doubles you get more. Uh, workable, playable volleys. Second thing is, I think players hate volleying Nadal's ball. You know, he dips it down low, and mm-hmm. God, there's no. That's such a. It's such a nightmare to volley. And I think even these doubles purists are like, "Whoa, thank God I don't have to deal with this when I play the U.S. Open and 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 try to win a doubles title." Uh, thank God, Nadal's not another. It's the lefty. It's it's the ball like none other. Whereas in some ways. Novak is just a great version of the contemporary ball. It's like, oh yeah, Nishikori, go fan. Here's kind of the contemporary flat top ball. And, and Roger, look, they're all great. I mean, I'm sure they're all great and dealing with all of them is, is tricky in doubles, but that's a great point you make about Nadal, the lefty, the top spin mm-hmm. and his whole, his whole ferocity that he's going to bring for 90 minutes of a doubles match. I'm also a fan of the, uh, I love Nadal and Mark Lopez because you have the lefty righty combination and they both just kind of find their forehands and hit inside out and get, kind of get into their backhand corner with their footwork. I'm a, are you, I'm a big fan of lefty righty forehands up the middle. Well, that's a, you know, that's a new model. I don't know if you know the skill, but historically the lefty was the ad court. It was the lefty mm-hmm. it was the, it was the forehands on the corners and the lefty had the cross court forehands. He had kind of the, the little inside out backhand, but a lot of changes have gone on, particularly with the growth of the big, topspin forehand, Bob Bryan, um, and uh, I've always, for my own weird reasons, I like the deuce court too, better for poaching off the return. I agree with you. I'm a big fan of the both forehands down the middle and, and Mark Lopez gives every inch he can. I mean, (laughs) they played some great, I mean, he's, he's right out of that model. He's like a doubles David Ferrer, isn't he? I love it. Absolutely. He totally is. The doubles version of David Ferrer. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, before we we move on to the ATP Cup and let's talk, let's do a little preview of that. Uh, Nadal has the best Davis Cup record of the three by by a good margin because he's twenty nine and one, which is pretty uh, preposterous. His only loss was in two thousand four on the way to that Davis Cup final. I will give you guys, uh, I don't know, I'll I'll give twenty dollars to uh, whoever <laughs> can guess who he lost to. Oh, man. wow. God, I should have done a little more research. Before. <laughs> you had a hint? How about a hint? Where, where, what country? Czech. No, Czech. Do you know see Yuri Novak? No, no. That's it. Oh, my God. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> oh, no, you gave a hint. So Whoa. I don't think you really oh, no. wow. oh, boy. God, I thought I was safe there. Aren't yeah, um, we glad we have Joel on the show? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Wow. That's because of Yuri Novak. That's because of Yuri Novak Djokovic. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yuri Novak. Wow. Well, Rafa was, he must've been 18. So was that in the semi? Was that in the semi prior or even earlier in the year? Uh, I'm not sure. <laughs> well, it's okay. But uh, wow. 29 and one. Well, he's that whole Spanish Davis cup commitment, those countries, the, the, the brave, the, the proud, the few, it's like, they're like the Spain, Sweden, Australia, 
they join forces and there's a whole team gestalt that the Spaniards bring that's different, that Rafa is different. There's a lot more Spaniards than there are Roger with the Swiss or Novak with the Serbs. Novak, I mean, he's an impressive team guy. There just aren't as many. It's just not as many. And it's, it's a different, it's a little different uh, esprit de corps among those guys. Yeah, hundred um, percent. So Nadal is drawn to face uh, Tsitsipas and Di Minore in his group. So the, basically the way the ATP Cup works for anyone who, who doesn't know and is listening slash watching, you have a first singles player, a second singles player, and everyone's the, the first plays the first, the second plays the second, like uh, college tennis or high school tennis. And, and then you have a doubles match in between. The second goes first. So th- that way we, we know the matchups in the group. So Nadal is going to play Tsitsipas and Dimonor. Djokovic is going to play Zverev and Shapovalov. We know those matches are going to happen. Amy, which one are you looking forward to most out of those four? Oh my goodness. I mean, these are all great matchups. Um, I just feel bad for the, the people that aren't getting this kind of quality competition before the Australian <laughs> Open. Um, uh, I think the Tsitsipas Nadal match will be a humdinger. Um, you know, that's uh, two players on the uh, one, you know, Nadal solid lefty um Tsitsipas all court player yeah let's see what these guys got coming out of the mm-hmm. gate I want to see uh, Novak and Shapovalov Shapovalov has, as a lefty myself he's kind of intriguing to see kind of his ups and downs to see what kind of tools he brings after out at Novak he knows precisely what Novak's going to do you know it's like Novak it's not Novak pretty much brings you know what he's going to do. It's going to be deep. It's going to be hard. It's going to be cross court. So then what's Dennis done? And he's going to start off his year having to take on this guy and he's going to be hitting his big shots. He's going to be making them. There's going to be a lot of energy. I mean, he has just got fuel to burn. Actually, both Tsitsipas and Shapovalov have, they, those guys have so much energy. And it'll be interesting to see how, they, how they're able to deploy it, particularly after being quarantined for these weeks. So it's going to be, these matches are going to be very interesting. Yeah, absolutely. I, I also am looking forward to Nadal Tsitsipas in particular. Demon Orr and Rafa had a classic match uh, at last year's event. So uh, that'll, that should be a good rematch. But I think Stefanos, Nadal is the player that Stefanos respects more than anyone else. And I'm not just saying that. Tsitsipas says it all the time. And he said it to Blair Henley literally this week. Um, and I think as the competitor that Tsitsipas is, really brings his a hundred percent, you know, focus and competitiveness and drive, because I think he gets very excited by the challenge that Nadal presents to him. So I'm anticipating that one's going to be a good match. Spain is, is a favorite here. Nadal's playing with RBA, Pablo Carrena Busta and a, a great doubles player in Marcel, Marcel. So let, me ask you, Gil, let me ask you, Gil, the sequence though, that may be, as they say in Davis, that may be a dead rubber by the time they get to that match. If it's the one playing the one, because it opens with the two versus the two. It's RBA versus who's the other Greek player? That's um, Spain will win that match. Y- yeah, so, it's, so he's, he's the, ranked in the 400s. And then there's the doubles. So this is the right. So by the time Nadal plays Tsitsipas, the team thing may be decided. So it might not be as meaningful, though, of course, these guys will be meaningful. And I think for Tsitsipas, he knows he's got to be all in with that one hander against Rafa. Because otherwise, Rafa's going to just 
devour him. I was at the match where they played in the semis of Australia two years ago. And it's just God, this guy just has a way to figure out how to make you play bad. I mean, he just knew how much pressure Nadal had applied to him. It wasn't the beautiful kind of tennis Tsitsipas would like to play against a Federer or 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 Rinka, where you're, you're hitting the balls kind of waist high. And here in Tsitsipas was just laboring and battling. And, you know, so there's a real, real fight for court position and cracking that backhand early. Mm-hmm. I, I wasn't planning on going here, but, you know, we do this sometimes. Talking about Team Greece just reminded me. You look at a team like Austria, right? Dennis Novak gets to play the ATP Cup. Amy, you just said you feel bad for those uh, who don't get this opportunity. Dennis Novak is 99th in the world. He qualifies because of Dominic Team. This is, uh, it, it brings up questions of, of fairness, this ATP Cup. And it's interesting because we talked last week about Adelaide and how fair that was. So any thoughts on just, if there's a fairness problem with the ATP cup, do we accept that? Is it okay? Or is it a kind of a, you know, something that should be looked at maybe attempted to remedy? There's nothing that anyone can do. We're in a pandemic. Um, you know, it's uh, the, the guys that are in Adelaide and the women that are in Adelaide right now got to bring their hitting partners along. Well, I mean, those people are not the top players in the world, and yet they're in this Adelaide situation and they're, you know, living the life. <laughs> it's not fair, but we got to just bend the rules, I guess, and, and back off the criticism because it's better than not having tennis at all. I agree with that about that, about, look, the, the Adelaide part, I thought was there's an unfairness to that. And yet, okay, here we are. As far as the ATP Cup and competitive eligibility and who gets to play and who doesn't, I think it doesn't, you, you can only, you can just go nuts with that stuff and it would be way too complicated. So that's a different thing. I mean, look, there's, there's unfairness built in, in normal times too. The players who have more money can have greater, um, greater teams with them, more teams. Who is, is that is having that necessarily mean it's good? I mean, that's one of the odd things about tennis. I mean, it's not like it's not like um, baseball teams working the salary cap and bigger markets and having more money to buy things and all that. It's kind of like it still comes down to playing tennis, a guy playing a tennis match. And really, at a certain point, doesn't matter if he has three coaches or an extra hitting partner or an extra smoothie or bigger suite. You know, it's like. <laughs> Okay, we're just going to play tennis at a certain point. I, I agree with that, Joel. And, you know, it's one of those things. It's an incredibly entertaining event, and it's not perfect, but what else is? I'm, I'm certainly uh, looking forward to seeing how this plays out. We're going to get great tennis very, very soon, and uh, we'll put the all the quarantine noise and the, the talking season. There's talking season and playing season. Talking season is behind us. Uh, which is very, very nice. And that'll do it for this episode of three. We hope that you leave a comment, like the video on YouTube, hit that subscribe button. We're available on all podcast platforms and we greatly appreciate it if you leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And we will see you next time on the next episode of three.